everybody. So welcome to the fourth episode of my podcast. Today, I'm super happy to be joined by Guillaume Moubesh, who is the founder and CEO of Lamless, which you've probably heard about if you're interested in all things email marketing. So Guillaume, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks a lot for uh, for having me. Um, so I, <laughs> as you said, like uh, I'm a CEO and co-founder of Lemlist, which is a sales automation platform that helps companies worldwide to acquire new customers. We started in uh, 2018 uh, and we crossed 10 million in ARR by being like fully bootstrapped. So it's been a really fast growth. On the side, I also launched another project called Lempod that we sold after growing it up to $600,000 in revenue in 12 months. <laughs> that is insane. I think that's one of the most successful like bootstraps uh, in such a short time stories I've heard. And it's so funny that you guys are actually Lemless because I didn't realize you're the founder of Lemless and I used Lemless before <laughs> and I didn't think it would be a bootstrap company. I thought it'd be one of these like massive like ConvertKit. I don't know. I don't even know if ConvertKit was bootstrap, but like I thought it was going to be like a huge thing. I couldn't believe it when I saw that you guys were the, the founders. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, you know, like we started the company with about like a, a thousand bucks. Uh, so we had like a, quite a lot of uh, VCs asking like, uh, whether or not they wanted to invest, etc. But we want to keep the, the bootstrap like lifestyle, I would say. I think it's super important and healthy when you grow a company to be like profitable, be able to have like this kind of infinite lifetime. It, uh, it removes a lot of pressure uh, from you. And I think it's, uh, it's just a, a great way of, uh, of growing a business. And basically the company is actually na named Lempire because all our projects start with uh, Lem. <laughs> and uh, so we have like Lampards that we sold. Lemlist is the biggest one. We're going to launch like a, a few new projects. And we have like Lemverse, which is a, a virtual co-working space also like uh, that we're launching. So maybe more in the Web3. I know you're passionate about it. So yeah. that's, that's also another topic. But, uh, but the idea for us is really like to help more bootstrap entrepreneurs worldwide to launch uh, and grow their business. So we also launched a, a community called Bootstrap Family where people can basically help each other and network, which is quite cool. That's so cool. I didn't know you even had the bootstrap family. That's really nice. So um, how did it come <laughs> about? How did you start this? Uh, what was your journey to building Lemless or the Lempire? Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so back in the days, I actually had like a early generation agency. So I was helping people do their sales prospecting. And I was basically like booking meetings for other companies, like mainly B2B companies. And after I started doing it, like a lot of people were asking me tips, advice on how to like grow faster. And I realized that all these persons were like mainly very small businesses. We don't always had like enough money to pay like the agency service. So I thought, okay, like uh, what could I do to basically like spread the world to a larger audience and at the same time help as many people as possible. And this is when I decided to essentially start Lemlist. Uh, so create a lot of content, build the Lemlist family, which is also like the biggest community around sales automation. Just try to provide as much value as possible to, to our users. And at the same time, build a product that will help them achieve the, the results that they want. And, uh, and that's how it got started in 2018. <laughs> 
That's so cool. I can't believe the the growth that you guys have had. I mean, to be fair, I've used the product like it is a great product. And I really I love like the interface, the design, everything. But I can't believe it all just started and it's just <laughs> exploded. Um, so how did you I mean, you said that you had VCs and everything coming to you and asking to invest in you. I know it was important for you to stay bootstrapped, but I mean, why? What was the what was the reasoning for the keeping it this way? To be honest, like I think there are several like uh, I'm not against fundraising. So I think like for some companies it can be like really helpful, etc. But at first, actually, when we started, because I was kind of like uh, in the middle of all that fame and looking at the TechCrunch articles of all those, you know, like startups raising funds, I actually wanted to do it. But when I went to see VCs, they were all saying like, you're a fucking nobody. You haven't done anything before. Uh, you're not going to make it. It's such a crowded market. Like you'll never be able to like create something. So after like two or three weeks talking to VCs, like some of them were really nice, like, but others yeah. were a bit less, uh, I would say. <laughs> um, I, I just thought like, okay, like I received like that email from one of our customers was saying like, hey G, I just like, because back in the days, in the early days, I was actually like spending a lot of time rewriting some of our users' campaign just to make them more successful using the product because the product was like, really crappy at the beginning so i needed to do like this extra work um and the person just messaged me saying like ag just closed like uh, my first big contract of like 20k per month uh, it's the first time i can actually hire for my agency so i can grow it like i'm super happy and when i received this message i was like yeah like th this is what i'm pursuing you know like i i'm not pursuing after like the money from others i'm pursuing after like real people who are actually like uh, where I can actually change their lives so I just decided to focus on that and step by step we started growing and I wanted to build in public so I was sharing revenue milestone etc and the more I was sharing the more like I received messages from investors and step by step you know like uh, we were offered like some crazier months but in the end you know like for me what mattered was the control the freedom and also the infinite lifetime when and when you like raise fund when i say infinite lifetime it just means like as a software as a service you charge people on a subscription which means that they are paying monthly meaning that the business model is very simple like uh, if you spend less than what you're making you're profitable and your lifetime is infinite because usually uh, each month you're just growing there is no or even if you stay flat you know it's uh, it's not gonna like you're not gonna be not profitable from a day to another which is like very reassuring with uh, SaaS businesses so for me it's like having this freedom and knowing that for example I can just focus on the things that I love is just awesome and when you have like VCs what they usually like uh, are gonna tell you is like if you got I don't know like 20 million injected in your company it's for you to spend it so you need to hire faster you need to spend more in order to grow faster etc and for me i think everything takes time it takes time to find the right people to work with it spent like it takes me a lot of time to help people in my team like level up uh, i spent a lot of time training the teams like and teaching all the stuff that i've learned so for me like money can't solve all the problems you're gonna face yeah. And I enjoy so much my freedom that I just wanted to focus <laughs> on on that. <laughs> did you start off like it was just you or were you uh, a group like you did it solo? 
No, no. So I didn't do it solo at all. Uh, so my two co-founders are uh, a bit older and they handled the, the tech side when I handled like the, the business side of the business. Okay. So it was just like the three of us. I think it took us maybe like uh, we started making money very quickly. I think after maybe like uh, three months or something, like three months after the first line of code, we were like uh, making money. But I think I got my first salary, which I think is uh, like the the key time of any bootstrapper is when you start getting your salary and you can pay for your rents. Because at the time, actually, it was my uh, my ex girlfriend was like paying the the rent of the flat. Uh, but it took us like I think a year uh, before we can actually get paid. And sometimes it's even longer. But uh, a year was good, I think. Yeah, a year is really good, I think, because there's so many variables. Because um, from what I've seen in SaaS, like often when you get to the point where you could pay yourself, a lot of founders or co-founders, they'll be like, no, I will, I will use this money to pay somebody else before they pay themselves. So it's like, I've seen a lot of founders, they could actually put off paying themselves like as long as possible. Yeah, I, th I think to be honest, it's... Uh... For me, when I started, I was okay to live with very little. So like I'm a half Italian. So like for me, it's okay to eat pasta all the time. And it's like the cheapest <laughs> thing you can do. But, uh, but for my co-founders, they were older and they were like, we have to like the first person we're going to pay is ourselves. And actually at first I disagree with them, but later down the road, I think it's like the best, the best thing to do. Like the best thing to do is like pay yourself. Because as soon as you pay yourself, you're going to want more. You should pay yourself and increase your salary very often. Because the more you increase your salary, the more you want the company to grow. And if both are actually like linked, it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. that's also something you won't see in a lot of VC-backed startups. Like I've got friends who have raised like almost hundreds of millions. And they are like uh, forced to vote on a board, their salary. And they have like seriously like, a salary that you wouldn't expect for a company with that valuation. You're like, you're a CEO and you're earning, I don't know, like an employee at a, maybe a good consulting firm after like five years, but it's nothing like compared to what you could get. So, yeah, you yeah. would expect that somebody, this if they're going to raise like a hundred million dollars or something, you would think, oh, they're going to be so rich now. Lucky that. <laughs> That's not always the case. <laughs> so this is probably an obvious question, um, but would you rather have one million funding was the question, but that sounds like so tiny now compared to hundreds of millions. Uh, or, so would you rather have one million, hundred million of funding or would you rather have a thousand beta testers? Ah, that's, that's a good question, but I think to be honest, like uh, I don't know what, what I would do with that, that money, to be honest. I think, it's, I think it's much safer when you start to just like be humble, like spend time with your users, do the things that don't scale. Because the truth is like, okay, if you give me a hundred million, what would I'm going to do? The first thing is like, okay, I need to hire the right people to do all the things. Hiring will take a lot of time. Like it's a lot of time, a lot of energy, et cetera. And then you need to tell people what they should do. But if you haven't spent the time with your users, helping them, doing all the things, you know, that are not tangible, not scalable, not like, but all those little insights and conversations you can have with people are basically what will make you successful. So I remember when we reached, I think we crossed about like, I think it was in the, yeah, like June or May last year, we crossed like 8 million in AR. And at that time, I decided to do like a, a coaching session with people who had bought like a masterclass that I had launched. And I spent, I did a hundred coaching session within two weeks for mm -hmm. half an hour. So it's, it's like 
50 hours with people who wanted to get better at sales prospecting. And I spent like 50 hours with them. And every CEO that I know at that stage will tell me like, it's a fucking stupid like idea, like just hire people to do your job and do all the things and you seem to think long-term, et cetera. But for me, it's like so important to stay, you know, like uh, just on the reality of things. Like you need to understand what people go through. You need to understand because as you grow and as you're making more money, it's so easy for you to just say like, yeah, you know what? I'm not looking at this. I have other people doing the work for me and down the line, like the strategy is what matters the most, but people is what matters the most, always. I love that. I think it's a really important message because one thing I've always preferred about working with bootstrap companies is the focus on the users. So like, I remember um, the guy that was the founder of the startup of the SaaS, gosh, my words, <laughs> actually do what you said, like take time to speak to the users, go on calls day or night, anytime when somebody was uh, needing help, uh, like the customer service was probably the best I've ever seen. And it was really important uh, to him at the time to just make sure that the features that were being launched were going to be useful and to make sure that the users were actually going to benefit from it rather than having somebody high up saying like, oh, well, this, this is what people generally think. Because people, as a general term, they don't always reflect users, even if they do like big surveys and um, I don't even know, like big market research, they can come up with yeah, they can come up with ideas that are just not going to reflect what a specific user, for example, for Lemless will want. Um, so I think it's really cool that you guys focus on the people more than anything. And that's amazing that you spent 50 hours doing those. <laughs> yeah, I had to basically like, uh, I remember back then, I think I, I didn't sleep for like a week or so. It was like, uh, it was really, really intense. But in the end, like uh, during those times, you have like so much learning that any survey could give you that because when people are facing surveys, even the way you ask questions will tend to kind of like force people towards a direction, like the tone you use or, and everything can impact, you know, on how people like uh, react. However, if you have like just a normal and chill conversation or if you just, you know, like ask people to tell you about their day to day, like what do they struggle with? And if they know that you're here to help them succeed, then the conversation is, so different and yeah. uh, and this is where you get all the golden nuggets for uh, for <laughs> for what's next <laughs> gold nuggets so what was the process like for um setting up lemless you said like within three months you had your first users did you have like beta testers like paid ones or how did you start getting people interested so yeah it's it's a really good question so first things first is uh, i i basically like i did three things the first thing is I went to every community that I knew on Facebook around like SaaS or around sales or around like entrepreneurs. And I basically like uh, created a screenshot of a campaign that I had launched back in the days, but not with Lemlist and said, here are the results that I've just got. I've actually built a tool that allows you to get exactly the same results. We're looking for beta testers. Uh, if you're interested, just comment me below and I'll reach out. And I had like hundreds of comments because those posts are quite viral because, you know, like you, sh you, so you show basically like to people the outcome of what they can get, meaning like really good like meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And then you ask them to comment so they get something in exchange. The more people comment, the more viral your post gets and the more viral your post gets, the more people comment. So yeah. it's kind of like this infinite <laughs> loop. From that, I think I got like maybe uh, 
yeah, a hundred people commenting. So I reach out to them. I think maybe 50 decided to become like beta testers. And at that time I did like a, a really like big mistakes because I gave them the link so they could access it and just like give me feedback. And mm -hmm. I didn't plan any calls or anything. So out of the 50, I think maybe I could only reach out to 10 and have calls with them. So that was like really huge mistake because the, the product, the software we, we developed, uh, we, I think we developed it in three weeks and people, because it was like a very crowded market had really high expectations, but the product was shit. Like, let's say it, you know, after three weeks, you can't create something like super awesome, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, especially for something that is quite complex. Um, and basically like people would just thought it would be awesome and change your life went on to something that was ugly because the interface was like not really pretty not really like usable uh tons tons of issues um so the second thing that i did was basically launched on product hunts because we launched way sooner like than expected because another person wanted to kind of like copy our unique uh, competitive advantage which was we had put a lot of uh, work on the personalization, the fact that you could add videos to yourself, prospecting, et cetera. And someone decided to copy. So we we're like, okay, we want to be the first one to announce it publicly. So let's launch. The launch was great, but again, same mistake. Uh, I just did like free trial for everyone. So I couldn't actually be a gatekeeper and just have people <laughs> and build relationship with them. So the same, like we had some awesome company worldwide, like registering, et cetera, but they say like the product is shit and then they never came back. I reached out to them, they never answered, which I understand, you know, once you're disappointed and you have like kind of the, the trust broken, it's over. Uh, and the third thing, which was actually like the smart move I did was use our own product to actually like run sales prospecting campaign, reach out to people to network. And then during this networking events, when I talked about Lemlist, what we could do, what we could achieve with it, some people, like I had two options. Option one, people who don't believe in outreach and in outbound who say like cold email doesn't work, which is quite great because it's like, actually, you know, like the reason why we're meeting right now, it's because of a cold email. So yeah. people were like, fuck, you're right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try it. And then I could onboard them and try to create like a group of beta testers. And the one who were actually like super expert in outbound using probably one of our like very well-funded competitors for them, it was also really interesting because I could ask all the questions, uh, what you're struggling right now? Like, is it your deliverability? Is it like the copywriting? What, what are exactly your pain points? And based on their pain points, after talking to many other people by networking and having this kind of like approach to reaching out to specific people, I would write the best articles possible answering all their questions and struggle and then send them back to them and saying like, hey, by the way, we launched this community where you can come exchange and share tips. It would be lovely to have you here, et cetera. And then, you know, like the person who are using competitors, I would put them kind of in our community funnel where they can learn and exchange, et cetera, et cetera. And down the line, I know they would make the switch if you bring them enough value for them to see you as the solution to their problem. And that's kind of what our strategy in the, in the early days. I see you guys are really big on, um, well, especially you have like a YouTube channel and I've seen that you guys have tons of different ways of creating content. I really like that because um, one of the themes I'm starting to see on like SAS Twitter or whatever it's called is a uh, community. And I think it's something that has been kind of not slept on, but it's something that's been um, 
not really spoken about that much. I mean, everybody talks about how to get, how to reduce churn, like how to get users, how to, you know, increase your prices and all this kind of stuff. But I've not heard people focusing as much on the community side of it. But you guys have like a genuine uh, community, like not just for Lemless, but elsewhere in your company as well. Yeah, it's like, I mean, for us, I think it's, uh, we, we have a saying like uh, at Lempire, it's like, uh, do what you shouldn't. So we're doing things that don't bring instant ROI. So for us, it's like, we're here for the long run. So we know what we want to do is help like millions of entrepreneurs launch like bootstrap businesses worldwide. And we know that for that, we have to do all these things that don't scale. We have to help people because it's funny what you said about like people talking about community and all these things. And something that comes up like a lot is you need to bring value to your users. Yeah. But I don't think like bringing value, of course, is helpful. So for example, if I write like uh, an article uh, about like a step-by-step process on how to achieve something, yes, of course, it's going to bring value for the person who's going to read it. But then is it really helping him in his business? And, and for me, you know, there's a difference between bringing value and helping people. And I feel like community brings help and great content brings value. Both are like necessary and important for your for your like growth and also like uh, for your community and the users you have. But helping people is like so much powerful. So it's like spend the time to do all these things that don't scale. Like do that meeting, do that like event, help people. Like because it's not only always about you. Like of course you have a set of skills. Of course you can uh, like um, I don't know like uh, help people in their own way. But your time is also super valuable. However, what you can do is be a connector. So helping people connect with others, uh, liking a tweet, sharing a, a post, like doing all these things. Those are the things that will really help people and help them grow. And for that, sometimes it's not only like a time-based action. It's also just like being smart about all the things you do. And I think building a community is all about that. And that's why we try to push like uh, quite hard on this aspect because yeah, we're here for the long run. So at least like, let's meet tons of people and, and have fun along the way. Enjoy it at least. I, t- I think I tweeted the other day, actually. Like you said, everybody talks about value, but what I tweeted was everybody talks about value so much. I don't even know what it means anymore because yeah. <laughs> people say like, oh, you need to provide value. It's like, that is so generic. How do you even start? Yeah. <laughs> who, are you who are you trying to provide value to? Like new users, existing users? Are you even talking about users? Like who are you trying to help? <laughs> I don't understand. But it's nice that you make the distinction because I think um, I think a lot of people, if they heard the distinction, it would make a lot more sense as to what they're supposed to be focusing on because it's not always that clear. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say is like the biggest uh, skill that you've learned from building the Lampire. Um, I guess it has become your whole life in a way. But I was going to say, like outside of that, what is the biggest thing you've been able to take away from it all? I, I think, to be honest, like uh, working on something you're passionate about, I think is like really, really important for a lot of time. So I, I don't come from like a, a wealthy family. So my parents like grew up on a farm and everything. So I. For me, it was important when I launched like uh, my company to make money. I know a lot of people say like, you need to find your why, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, I was not like super ambitious. I just wanted to make enough money to get like a good salary and that's it. So my learnings are like several, but the first thing is like ambition comes while you grow. 
So it's okay not being super ambitious because back then, you know, I felt super bad for not having like uh, the will to kind of like change the world. At first it was just like, yeah, I want to like help people, of course, but I want to make money while doing it. And I want to be able to pay myself a salary. So my ambitions was like super, super low and it kept growing as I grew. So don't feel bad if that's your case, like it's fine. <laughs> uh, second thing is uh, I thought for a lot of time that uh, money could be tied to my happiness. So I had like this kind of like milestone of uh, either like company growth or salary growth that I said to myself thinking like, it's when I reach that, that I'll actually be able to be like a different person and be like, it's not true, it's not the case. You should always like enjoy the journey. Uh, money is great because it's kind of like uh, money for any business. I think it's a good metric to track because it shows uh, how much impact you have overall, but find something else that motivates you. And for me, like my motivation comes down to helping more people get the same freedom that I have right now. And if I can help people like launch their business, get enough money so they are free and have like this kind of infinite lifetime, the same as I have, then I'm happy, you know, like I've done my job and, and, and it's fine. So again, like enjoy the journey and do that like uh, as long as possible. And the last thing is like, if you work on something you're passionate about, it will never feel like working. And, and I think entrepreneurship is all about that. Like for me, what's amazing is being able to work with the same person who have the same passion and the same mindset, help each other grow because in the end, no matter what, like uh, right now, our company is valued at more than 150 million, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's like a dream story. It's crazy. But in the end, like I still have so much to learn. Like seriously, like I, most of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. And this is what's awesome with entrepreneurship. Like it's, uh, you will learn. So stay humble and uh, know that you don't know everything and keep learning. And this is the beautiful part of life, I think. Especially now, I feel like it's become quite popular to start SaaS companies. Everyone's saying, well, with no code, it's super easy. You can kind of just bounce in and bounce out and cash out. But it's nice to see somebody that has a plan to stay in it for the long term. I mean, you've got no, do you have an exit plan? No. So on our end, like uh, we sold 20% of our company so we could uh, de-risk entirely. So yeah. we took uh, $30 million, so $10 million each, which is basically like, enough money for you to stop working because yeah. if you invest it like smartly like you're gonna make enough and that's fine but i don't want to stop working <laughs> so so for me it's like this money is good it's in the bank like i can make my family happy and everything that's cool but uh but now i really know that i want to stay in the long wrong run and uh, just focus you know on my mission and and enjoy and uh and i think that's that's the best you know like you don't have to to just like uh, think about like this short-term win and short-term exit. Sometimes you can just go all the way and uh, and build like a really long-term business. Yeah, that's really cool. Especially the fact that you guys were able to do a bit of both. So like you can stay, uh, I mean, now you have the security. So I guess for you, that maybe means um, you can even you can maybe do some less of the stuff that you don't enjoy as much or you just kind of like you've said from the beginning like it's all been about your freedom really so you have the security of knowing that you know maybe one day you could not take a call if you're like busy or I don't know what people do I don't know what millionaires do like <laughs> <you're> like <laughs> riding a jet ski or something but, um 
you can have more freedom over your time but ultimately the fact that you guys love your product so much like you don't always want to take time off like you will be happy to do it all day every every day yeah that's i th- i think freedom is uh is is the nicest part so for example like uh, right now i don't like winter so i'm in south africa for about like three months just to avoid the european winter i'll come back when it's uh, getting warmer yeah. i can work from anywhere i have like my own schedule um so for example like we we met on twitter but actually i i i started to be active on twitter about like three weeks ago what? and you know now yeah so so before that i was not active at all like uh, it was uh, it was just like taking some of my linkedin posts so putting them on twitter automatically and that's it but i really started being more active like three weeks ago and it's it's been huge because it's like I love being able to do this type of things. It's like I'm starting a new year. I want to build new habits, start testing new things. So right now I'm doing a Twitter challenge. I'm doing a, uh, an Instagram and TikTok challenge, nice. which is very awkward for me because I'm like, I'm not good with like these things initially. Like I'm, I started like I downloaded the TikTok app and I felt like I was a fucking grandpa, you know, like how do you do the editing? How do you do all these things? And this is what I love. It's like I learn new things, I test new things. And once I've kind of like cracked how it works and how to grow it, etc., like then I can teach it to my team and help them do exactly the same. So we can basically like spread and help each other and uh, and skate together, which is uh, which is nice or something I like. Oh, you for the TikTok thing. I opened it to try and make my own and I was just like, nope, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> Um, how many people are at Lemless now working? Uh, so I think we're about, uh, yeah, 50. Yeah, a bit wow. less than 50. Sorry? Are you fully remote? Yeah, we're like, uh, we have an office in Paris, but uh, half of the team, I think, is in Paris. Half of the team is remote. But the idea is uh, by the end of the year, we should be around like 90 people, I think. That's, uh, that's kind of the goal. Because right now, it's like we spent basically like four years really like, testing things like uh, learning we wanted to stay like a very small team so I think we were about like a bit less than 30 people when we reached uh, 10 million in AR and now we really want to have like this multi-project type of like mindset where we have uh, so Lempire as a main company but the bootstrap family and Lemlis family as communities then we want to have like uh, Lemverse which is like a whole new project that can be just like huge then Lemless, then Lemwam, then we're launching also CRM. So there are like so many things. And for that, you know, in the end, you need like uh, smart people to to work your with. And uh, that's what we're trying to build. That must be hard to hire that many people to have the same uh, vision. Did you guys start off like in, in Paris, in France, or did you, because I know you said like straight away you had big companies from like all over the world signing up to test it. Did you ever try like just targeting France or French people? Yeah, so I actually like even though I'm French, like French are like mainly like cheap bastards. So it's like <laughs> it's not it's not the best market. True. Uh, initially, initially, actually, it's quite fun because, OK, we build a tool for outreach so we can essentially outreach to pretty much anyone around the globe. So. When I started, I decided to say, okay, you know what? Like there are 24 hours in a day. Uh, We don't have all the same time zone. So I'm just gonna go and target every single time zone on the planet. 
because I'm a hard worker, I know that I'll be able to do demos pretty much anytime during the day. And I'll run like I'll run my campaigns during weekends, launch them during the week, and then I'll I'll run meetings. So I started doing meetings like early day for like Australia and Asia. So starting like like seven or six a.m. in the, in France. Then like uh, I was doing like French or European like uh, during midday I would say, and then at night it was the U.S. And the more I was like meeting with people, the more I saw that French people, they were saying like, yeah, but I mean, it's very early, et cetera, et cetera. Like they didn't want to pay. They didn't want to do anything. They were like fucking pain in the ass. And in the US, they were like, oh, that's quite innovative. And I was like, yeah, it's still early, et cetera. It's like, yeah, but like this feature is killer. I think I want to try it out. Like, it's like, let's see, let's go for it, et cetera. So much more innovative. So very quickly, like the US became like our biggest market. And now I think we're in about like 85 or 86 countries. And it's only once we were actually like very well known in the US that French people starting saying like, oh yeah, like Lemlist is really cool, et cetera, et cetera. Like I've known them for so long. And I was like, yeah, well, when we started, you said like that we were a shitty product. You didn't want to use us, et cetera, et cetera. So, so it's always funny, you know, it's like when you start, no one believes in you. Uh, and when you are like, well, like everything's working super well, everyone who didn't believe in you said, I always knew this guy would uh, make it work, you know, like, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's so typical of French people. I think I worked with one French client at the beginning of when I started uh, freelancing and that was enough. I was just like, here's your money, take it. I don't want to work <laughs> again. I do not want to talk to, like, I just don't work with French people. It's too hard. <laughs> and it and it's sad because, you know, like, I'm French. I love yeah. my country. I th And I think, like, they are, like, the, the mindset is evolving. And some people, like, are doing things differently. And some people are much more, like, innovative, et cetera. But I do feel, like, the, the biggest difference is how, like, our relationship towards money. Like in France, if, uh, if you don't earn a lot of money, people are going to say, yeah, like uh, you're really like screwing the system, taking like uh, help like, or like a uh, pension from the States or whatever. And then when you're like making a lot of money, it's like, yeah, you're probably like cheating the system, not paying your taxes, et cetera. And it's like, people are just jealous. And in the US, it's not the same. Like when you're rich, people will ask you questions like, okay, how did you make that happen? Like they're curious. They want to know so they can replicate. In France, it's like, yeah, but if he's rich, that's because X, Y, Z. And they always find like excuses, which I don't think it's a good mindset. I think it's like pulling us down and not like trying to lifting us up, which is more the mindset I like. I agree. I think um, especially startups in France, I always find the atmosphere to be very different. I moved to France for like th uh, five years when I was 19, 20. And I was shocked at how people think like it has to be very, uh, I don't know how to even explain it, but everything has to be very square and structured. And if it comes outside of it, like um, when I went to uni and I did the essays in France and it was like, petit un, petit vite, like all this stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, even this? the structure is. Yeah, yeah. even compared <laughs> to the UK, I was like, what is this place? Like, why do they have to do this? Why does everything have to fit? <laughs> so perfectly and I think people get uh because of how they're raised in school and stuff I do think people kind of bring that mentality to them for work so like if you don't if you're doing something different first of all they hate it I mean 
when I said oh yeah so like I'm freelancing until I started being good at it and like having uh clients they were like no it's not gonna work Can I <laughs> you shouldn't do that <laughs> yeah. so, like go back to being a lawyer you should do something else it's not gonna be the long-term thing and then when I started like doing well they're like okay yeah yeah we we always said though that you would be fine like we always do <laughs> Like, yeah, okay. we had your back. Remember, we yeah. had your back. <laughs> oh, you did. But I think that's one of the problems with the French, um, maybe like system or just culture generally. People don't really like things that are new, and everything has to be quite nice and neat and fit. And if it doesn't, like you said, when it gets huge, then it's like, yeah, of course, <laughs> this is the best thing. Yeah, ever. It becomes obvious for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it takes a while. So um, if you had to, you've obviously got like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that are looking up to you guys for help in your community and stuff. If you had to give one of them some advice, I mean, this is very general, but if you had to give um, someone who wants to bootstrap a SaaS some advice, what would be your key takeaways? So first things first is like, try to make money as quickly as possible. So it's like, we tend, you know, like to always find, make excuses. So it's like, my product is not ready. Uh, it's not good enough. It's not like nice enough. The UX is not ready, et cetera. But the truth is to get to face the reality of a market, you need to test. And if you don't try to charge people, you'll never make it happen. And it, it's just something that you're going to keep pushing, keep pushing. So for me, it's like making money the, the quickest possible is the best. With Lemlist, I think we waited like for three months. With Lempod that we sold like very soon, uh, I think it just took us a month to to make people charge, uh, to charge people, sorry. Um, so first first advice. Second advice I, I would say is like uh, bootstrap your way through profitability as soon as possible. So like don't try to burn like a lot of cash, etc. It's okay to do all these little things that don't scale at first, even though they don't bring direct revenue, things compound. So everything you're doing right now will have an impact potentially in like six to 12 months. So it's like, Revenue for me is a lagging indicator. So make sure to understand that quickly and understand compound effects. All the little things will come out. So third thing, business karma is real. Help as many people around you, make those connections, uh, help being like uh, other people like to succeed, save, save their time or like make their life easy. And you'll be like building a really strong network that will help you grow faster. And, and that's very true. So it's like, focus on that. And uh, the first advice is do what you shouldn't. A lot of people give advice, but in the end, you're the only one who actually deep down know what is right. So listen to that inner voice as soon as possible, because I remember back in the early days, I was listening to all these advices. I was reading to, through like all these blog posts. I knew pretty much like all the gross hacks ever possible, etc. But in the end, building a business is a marathon. So you have to listen to your inner voice because you will have to cope with some hard shit. Like entrepreneurship is really hard. It's a roller coaster. It's lots of ups and downs, etc. And if you didn't listen to your inner voice, then you'll start finding excuses and saying like, yeah, but I shouldn't have listened to that person, etc. So like, face your own fears and like find your own path that will make you much happier in the long run and also more successful. 
That's very nice advice. I like that. I hope that uh, some people will watch this and or listen to this and be inspired <laughs> about their own bootstrap SaaS journey. It's so cool now. Like <laughs> so many cool projects. I feel like people are really starting to pay attention. And I think definitely after the pandemic and everything, there's been such a massive move to people that want to work for themselves. And like you said, they're chasing freedom. They don't want to have to go to the office every day. Because I know, especially in France, they're starting to say like, Go on, back to the office now. Everybody's yeah. <laughs> you're forced. <laughs> yeah, and I know a lot of people. They've kind of got used to it, and they think, uh, you know, even something like um, people close to me. At first, they used to tell me, "Oh, that's so weird, though. Like, don't you miss going to the office and meeting people in real life?" I was like, "No, not really." And then now <laughs> they're saying, "Like, oh yeah, I don't want to go back to the office. Like, I wish I could stay. Actually, I think I might do my own thing." So whether that's freelancing or building their own business, I feel like there's a lot more people that are interested in just having some ownership over their career. Yeah, definitely. And also like, uh, you know, like commuting is is a pain. Like, yeah. I mean, in, in Paris, to be honest, I really, I really enjoy like being in the office, but I also like when I'm doing like remote work. I think it just depends. Like it's not the same vibe. I think like you create... A, a much stronger culture when people are all in the same place and yeah. you the the bond you create and all the things like all these late night conversations you can have with employees or like other people or just like uh, you're gonna get a coffee and or whatever like at lunch break or these type of things but being remote helps you also like to be super focused on things and just go hard at one thing be in your zone and just like go at it so i think what i love is just like a, a healthy mix you know yeah. between both but again like for me each person is different some people love remote and are made for remote so they should do it and, and i think this is the future the future is like working on your own terms that's and for me that's like it should be mandatory in any company like i like that especially the focus on how employees work because again like you're not forcing people to fit into a box it's really based on how they feel about it so i wanted to ask you a few questions about uh crypto and stuff and you've mentioned the lemver <laughs> please tell us more about that please yeah so so lemvers is uh actually the story of lemvers is quite interesting so one of my co-founder is uh, is a bit autistic so, you know, his entire life, it was like really tough for him, like uh, meeting with people, building relationships, et cetera. But he has been when when the day like the day he discovered like coding and computer and all these things, it's everything became natural. You know, he, he went from being not a good student to being like the best students like in IT. It was like uh, just talking with computers was so much easier for him. And the truth is like his entire life, what has mattered for him is build relationship like trying to make friends meet with people connect with others and one day when covid hit it was like i mean we're going to be forced being remote we don't have like any place to meet ever again like uh, maybe so let's build something so he created during a weekend a virtual office that we started to use more and more and the virtual office is just like it looks like pokemon a bit so it's like 2d and you walk around and when you meet people, your camera just opens and you can start chatting and then you have conference room, et cetera, et cetera. So it started like this. And as we started scaling it, I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is literally like the best place for any remote company. Like we use it, it's super easy. I just go see someone at their table. I can just say something instead of using like fucking Slack and having to write a message and just go and talk to others. 
and then we we created events and then we created all these things and as we grow this project i'm like first we made it fully open source so anyone can see the code anyone can update the code anyone can so it's like it's very like community based which yeah. is very like web3 type of things because it's even though like in web3 we talk a lot about like decentralized etc like people can host on their own server. And uh, and I think decentralization is something very complex that it's, it's not gonna be solved like within a day because it's we all like the internet as it is right now. And if you put proper decentralization, it means like you would slow down so much things that no one will actually enjoy it. But to me, it's like, okay, if you look at it, the um, this world could be actually a whole new world because when you have LinkedIn and all these tools, Yes, they create like social bonds, but how us as user are we rewarded from all the content and the thing we do on the platform? LinkedIn got acquired at for like, I don't know how many billions from Microsoft. How much did we got as users? Zero. Is, does that make sense? You know, like, does that make sense that we have companies running like monopolies like uh, Google, Facebook, Amazon or whatever, and the end users is not getting anything? So Google, for example, they, they were born thanks to people creating content. Yeah. SEO was all about making sure that the search is well indexed so people could find what they were searching for. But Google for that needed the best content creators out there. But now if you look at a specific keyword, so for example, if you type lemlists, which is our name, meaning like in 2018, lemlist didn't exist. Like the word was has never been typed on the internet before. So it's like zero search, zero results. Now it's like hundreds of thousands, etc. But when you type lemlist, the first results are people who are buying our keywords and our name on AdWords and competitors because they want to steal our traffic. And it's like literally the first three results. Does that make sense? Is it something that you know, like a monopoly shouldn't like do something about, like or even like for people who created content, who worked a lot to create content, and then Google indexed directly like the answers to what people are looking for. So you don't actually have to go on their website, meaning that the person who was making money through ads or display, et cetera, is getting like zero out of it. So it's like creators and people bringing value to the community are just being left out. And this is kind of like, what I don't like with the, the current economy and my role and what I see with Lemverse is that down the line, if the idea is to first put the bootstrap family, organize the events, have this kind of like co-working space for freelancers, bootstrappers, et cetera. And then, you know, like as you grow, maybe like more remote spaces, more events. And then down the line, it can be like a, a whole new world where when you enter, you have like a coin or a certain set of coin. This coin has like a, a real value meaning like you can trade it to like any other like coins or like uh, even like dollars if you want to and the more you organize the event the more you help people the more you do like all these things that will bring value to the community the more you can earn money and then you have created like a whole new world and for me that's what passionates about this this project so okay. it's very ex for now it's uh it's kind of like an experiment we're running and we need to have like proper use case with really good retention, et cetera. But down the line, my goal is like to say, if you come to Lemverse, by definition, you will earn like money. Yeah. And the more you do for the community, the more you're gonna earn. And if we manage to do that at like a really large scale, then, you know, I think we would have created something awesome because I think like for me, like the, the day I realized that 
I could actually make a living out of internet and my computer. It totally like changed my mind, like and changed my mindset. You know, it's like right now you're in Dubai, I'm in South Africa. We met through Twitter. I yeah. think this is awesome. You know, it's like yeah. this is this is awesome because like we're meeting face to face, we're exchanging, we we talked before like recording this and. And I think this is cool. This is like the power of internet. It's to connect people, to connect others. And, and right now I do feel that the connectors, which are like uh, all the social media platform, the search engine, et cetera, they're, not, they're, they're connectors, but they're stealing all the value from the people. Yeah. And I love when uh, the wealth is, uh, is spread in a more equal way. So that's what I would try to build. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Um, I've seen, I've been looking around a lot of the things like play to earn models, like the infinity, like the crypto kitties and stuff like that. And I just couldn't believe that there's people living in places like Venezuela and they earn more from playing crypto kitties than what they would earn <laughs> as a teacher in that country. And I just think like, yeah, it's crazy. how could you not be um, like supporting this? It's amazing. I love the idea that you guys would have to have the like the the lem verse basically that sounds amazing that you could have I mean it's kind of like a DAO kind of like a, a play to earn but like contribute to earn it sounds like I mean the possibilities are endless really yeah the possibilities are endless and I think like um, for me right now I do feel like there is a lot of hype around like the NFT the crypto space etc which means that we see a lot of, you know, Axie Infinity, it's quite crazy because it's like yeah. people play, they make money and they can make like earn more money than with an actual job. But this comes down to a lot of also speculation because like more people play, so they have more users, more users mean like that the money increase, so more value, et cetera, et cetera. So, but down the line, you know, like if you can find in crypto, like a real use case where people can benefit from it. So for example, let's say, I'm like a freelancer, I'm helping people grow their business, et cetera, and I can be rewarded because, you know, like I know people who charge like a thousand bucks an hour to do like a, some specific set of things. However, I have chat with these people for an hour and, and that's fine. We just exchange. Yeah. But if you could say like, yeah, you know what, like let's do it on Lamverse and by doing it there, you're going to like make a bit more money. Maybe we'll organize just like a, a conference and people have to like pay in a certain coin to enter or whatever then you know like it's uh every everyone wins and yeah. in if you can build system where everyone wins then i think this is the the beauty of it yeah. uh, and uh and i think web3 for me is about making more people win rather than with this monopoly and the the kind of like world we live in right now which, which I think is dope. And it's a, it's a great mindset to have, I think. I mean, one of the main things that I keep seeing when it comes to Web3 is about giving power back to creators. And I think in Web2, what that was kind of the goal. But like you said, now that Google has realized, oh, well, we can, like you said, index the searches. So it's true. I didn't even think of that, but you don't actually have to go on the page anymore. So that person's losing yeah. out. And I've seen before when... Um, companies they'll buy up the ad space and they come up and I've clicked on them before and I get so mad at myself because I'm like no I don't want to give them this click like this is not for them like, tactic. Um, but yeah it just like strips away I mean it does make you wonder what is the point anymore because some people they've spent years like there's been people that have been blogging for 20 years 
they've got like massive traffic and then you just think well somebody could come and just turn off a switch and then just turn off all their work for the last 20 years or you know it can be applicable to anything really I mean there's so many people that are going to miss out if Google and these kind of companies keep up doing these tactics and we don't even think about it that much yeah and imagine like tomorrow for example like uh, Google decide that instead of like showing maybe like one ad they're going to show like five or six you're going to keep using it like it's not going to go like uh, it's 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 built in your habits like they still have the best search engine so even though you need to scroll a bit more to see more ads you're still going to do it and that the issue is like monopoly and this is where like i think DAO are like really good or everything where and also something i love about like blockchain is that when you build like smart contracts everything is written in advance it has advantages obviously because it's like you will not be able to change the rules yeah. down the line or like you might like add new things etc but it's written it's there it's nice because like at least everyone knows like what's going to happen etc it can be annoying if you want to fix things that you didn't yeah. do properly and uh, but but in the end i think like that's what matters is like transparency and we've seen this in the bootstrap world for quite some time you know like with the uh, building public movement and all these type of things where people are sharing, et cetera. And I do think that Web3 can be like revolutionizing like all these things. But again, you know, like it's, it's there is always, because as you said, uh, Web2 initially, or like even just the internet, the, the first um, intent for internet was to connect people, like share information worldwide and, and do all these things. It was around freedom. It was around like uh, making more connections. But as it turned out, you know, like, if yes. there is a way like for people to make money and to make yeah. even more money, they're going to find it. And I think that's what I like about Web3 is that you can have rules that are kind of like set in stone, which was not the case for the internet, which is which was became, I think, the far west where everyone do their own things. And yeah, just the, the fact that Web3 even wants to fix the problems of Web2, I think is reassuring because I know there's a lot of people that say, yeah, it's never going to happen. Like the problems with blockchain will be the same. But I mean, even if 20, 25, 30 years from now, there's like Web6. I mean, what's the problem? Mm. The fact that somebody has found the problem and is trying to solve it, that's a positive step, whether people yeah. believe in it or not, whether people think like it's worth it or not. I mean, also, whether people believe in Web3 and think it's a good thing or not, it's going to happen. I mean, everybody... Yeah. <laughs> Well, even all the big companies, like there's the metaverse, there's, you know, it's happening. So whether you like it or not, you're going to have to, you know, deal with it. Yeah, deal with it. Um, so which one is your favorite crypto at the minute? It's uh, it's quite tough. To be honest, I'm not like a, a crypto expert. So I've invested about like $800,000, I think, in crypto, but uh, I don't manage it myself. I've got like mm -hmm. uh, people like managing it. But what I like is... Uh, I like Bitcoin because obviously like the, the limited supply, uh, the deflationist kind of like model, the fact that it's actually like it's a finite resource. It's exactly like you can compare it to gold. It's very like uh, even though there is a lot of volatility, etc. I think like in the long term, it's still like kind of like the the essence and the heart, the heart of, you know, like uh, crypto, you know, so it's okay. like uh, I really like it. Um, but I love also like, uh, so Ethereum, I think it was nice because obviously yeah, you see a lot of applications around Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think 
that uh, in the last years we've seen like things like uh, Solana uh, or like Cardano or all this type of thing, which has like every chain is solving like a different type of problem. Yeah. I love the chains that are also kind of uh, making because there are a few things that are crazy in crypto. Like uh, for me, that was that didn't make sense. Like uh, if you send like I don't know like Solana to an Ethereum like wallet. It's lost, <laughs> you know. It's like uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, like if you make transaction to in in the in, not in the right like cryptocurrency to a certain wallet, it's just it's over, you know. Like uh, oh, if you and, don't, uh, and you, yeah, yeah. And, and for me, it's like it doesn't make sense, you know. Like it's it's the same as saying like okay, I have, I've got like a French bank account, but if you if you wire me like a thousand dollar, the money is gone. Yeah, it would not make sense, you know. Like it would be like, what the fuck? Like you wired me the money, the money like it should be somewhere. And with yeah. blockchain, it doesn't work like this. So I love when you have like all these projects working like cross chain and trying to make things that are like. Uh, but everything needs to be built. That's what's really exciting, I think. So every cross chain project, I think I found them like interesting. Uh, but what I love is like communities in general and uh, and and just understanding and helping more people understand. I think like. Uh, why crypto is real currency and not just like speculation like a lot of people are saying trying to explain this actually to my parents the other day and i was like well do you know bitcoin is actually adopted as legal uh tender in some countries and they're like no no way <laughs> like no people actually really use it in real life like you should pay attention because this stuff is coming mm. you should really like <laughs> buy some crypto or get mm. some bitcoin but I think the only issue with Bitcoin right now is like, even though like Bitcoin has been made, so it could be like a split in any part you want. I think to make it like more usable, we need to have like a clear unit. If one equals like 40K dollars right now, as we speak yes. or some, somewhere around that, it's too much. Because if I say like, okay, like people don't make $40,000 payments every day. Like they make $1, $2, etc. So having like this kind of, go back to a unit where it makes more sense for people to spend it and share it. I think this is where you kind of like win uh, in the long run. But yeah, it's just like people are not good with mass in general. So if I if I say like, okay, what's $5 in Bitcoin? Oh God, you're going to yeah. be saying like uh, 0.0005. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, it says, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> lots of things to do. So would you um, would you say that you're more hold or sell? I know you said you don't manage it at the minute, but if you could, if you did, what would yeah, you Yeah, but no, I, I've got a bit on my own. So yeah, I hold, of course, because it's like people don't understand that it's just like the, the fluctuations yeah. will happen because people with a lot of money are playing with the market because with, there is not that many holders around the globe. Like crypto is still like, it's still niche. Even mm -hmm. though lots of people know about Bitcoin, et cetera, it's still niche. Like people who actually hold cryptos or like get cryptos, it's a very, very tiny percentage of the population. So it's super easy to play with the market when you have like billions of dollars to manage. You can uh, do pump and dumps. You can do like uh, make people like have like being super scared and sell, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's easy. So it's kind of like the far west. But in the long run, the adoption will increase. Like that's, that's a fact. So yeah. you should hold. Even though if it's scary, because if you go from, okay, I bought at like 40K and now it's at 20K, I've lost like half of my wealth. But you shouldn't see it like this. You should see it like I'm 100. And that's why you should always invest in things that you understand and where you understand the value. For example, I'm convinced 
that on a technological like uh, standpoint, Bitcoin will always increase its value. I understand why. I mean, I, I have the feeling that I understand why. So I want to hold it as long as possible. So all my Bitcoins and Ethereum, etc. like I just hold and I just wait. And when it's slow, actually I buy more, but that's like yeah. just my strategy <laughs> because I believe in the long run. And, and you should do like, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think investment is very like personal and everything. But for me, what I try to say is like, if I believe technologically on a project, I'm happy to give this money because even if it fails, at least it was something I believed in. Yeah. And I don't have, because you should always invest the money you're ready to lose by yeah. definition. So at least be ready for you to lose on things that, you know, you believed in. It's like investing money in a business friends, you know, like even though you, you're like not the huge fan, not the target market, et cetera, at least you're happy to do it, you know, and, and if the business succeeds, then you're super happy. And if it doesn't, whatever, you help the friend, you know, and you're, you're still like the same person. You're still happy. You're not like uh, living on the streets. And yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people invest money that they don't want to lose. And I think a lot of people also invest money just thinking that they're going to get rich off this. So yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, this one is going to go. I mean, people do make a lot of money off them. So I can understand why. But I don't think people yeah, do but... have research. <laughs> before they buy yeah, stuff. <laughs> I think the, the issue with all of that and, and the issue in crypto in general is like crypto will attract people who want to make money quickly. Yeah. And it works because that's actually the case. Some people go with a hundred bucks and they come back with 10K after like two mm -hmm. days. So of course, like if, if you're struggling with money, if you're not getting a decent salary, getting like so much money is like just awesome. But the truth is like most crypto projects are around like speculation and it's the same with NFTs. So people are like super happy like to invest to like, because if you're here early, you're going to make the most money, but this is like a Ponzi scheme. And in many cases it happens and, and the idea, and this is something that I'm not so comfortable with it is like the person in the early days make more money and they know that they're going to make money on top of the, the people at the lowest part of the pyramid. So whenever you have all these things, people actually were kind of like the dumbest. So they just want to make money quickly and they're putting all their savings are just gonna get ruined because, or like fucked up because you have like smart people who know how the system works. We're kind of like playing around that and just like selling before everyone else. Yeah. And then, you know, you have panic sales and then everything go back to floor price. Yeah. And this is the issue. This is the issue. And it's, it's not predictable. And you have people with, I don't know, like a million times more money than you were playing the games. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's tricky. I think it's tricky and people should be careful and have rules whenever they do these things, just so they are like more comfortable in, uh, mm -hmm. in doing it for the long run, I think. And they can just hold especially for like the state. Yeah. For like <laughs> just, hold, yeah. just hold and you'll be fine. Yeah, just <laughs> hold. Like when, it, when it's going down, you just don't look at it. That's fine. Yeah. You know, like, uh, it's, it's a good detox not to think about. Like, uh, yeah. I made the mistake yeah. of looking at it when it was starting to dip and I was just like, I'm not going to look. I knew mm. I would never sell. Um, I knew I wasn't going to sell it, but I just... Ask yourself. Yeah. 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 So you feel like not proud of yourself but you just feel like I've made a good decision when it's high and you kind of look at it and you think like I'm glad I believed in this project because now I am <laughs> winning and then when it dips you're just like 
Oh my gosh. Fuck. Why did I do this for? <laughs> Was I, I right? Um, did I really yeah. understand what I'm bidding on? <laughs> Every time I'm like, is this the dip that Bitcoin ends up going to zero and the game is over? Like, is this it? <laughs> Luckily, all the metaverse stuff, I'm starting to think like, no, this is really just the beginning again. It's just starting. Yeah. No, it's like what's interesting is actually like to look at um, there were a recent study showing like the correlation between a cryptocurrency and the amount of uh, developers, like crypto developers ads. And actually like you can see like a trend that when there are more and more people hiring for crypto developers, like a few weeks later, like the crypto would just go up again. Yeah. And actually like this, this number of like crypto, like developers, except for like total worldwide has just kept increasing overall. So the trend is that it will keep because this person, you need to think that they are building for the future. Yeah. Developing a project, it doesn't take you like one month or one week. It's like one or two years. Even I, I look on my own perspective as a SaaS, which is not like the most technical ever. And crypto is like 10 times more technical on some parts. So it's like a SaaS to have like something decent. It takes you like two years to really build features, design, understand your audience, etc. So for crypto, you can think that it's going to take at least two years or even more. Yeah. So all these like new developers that have been hired first they need to get trained then they need to get on the project then build new things etc so it means that you're gonna have at least a delay of like two to three years to see this solution being implemented so the higher it goes right now it's actually like coming later like in two years so for me it's like just hold like yeah. it's, it's gonna happen it's gonna happen people are passionate about it people want more equality around the world it makes more sense on so many ways like we want impact. We want uh, to be driven by our values. And of course, money is important, but it's not the only thing. And if money can be spread out more equally, and that's what Web3 aims to do, I think, then, you know, like more people are going to be involved and more people involved mean higher adoption and higher adoption mean more value for everyone. And it's um, just like the, the growth circle. On a side note, I've seen some of the salaries that crypto developers are getting and I wish <laughs> I was a developer. I wish I'd learned to do it because some of the like Solidity dev posts I've seen, some of them are getting going to get paid like a million dollars a year, which is no, insane. It's crazy. Yeah, Just it's the insane. fact that somebody is, I mean... I know Solidity is hard compared to like JavaScript or something, but just the fact that somebody is willing to pay a million dollars a year for a nine to five job, if you're just willing yeah. to learn the technology involved, I mean, if you're like on the fence about what to do, become a Solidity developer now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was yeah. I, I think the trick with it is that um, a lot of like uh, crypto projects uh, hire develop. So in startups, you would have like stock options and everything. But uh, with developers, you have like uh, mainly like coin offering or you're going to get like coins in the early days. Yeah. And it's, it's tricky because after a year of working at your company, a developer can just tell you like, fuck yourself, like, fuck you, you know, like I'm just going away because their coins that they got initially are now worth not 10 times, not 100 times, but sometimes like tens of thousands of times what they were worth initially. Yeah. So you have like crypto millionaires who can actually get money in dollars and just do their own stuff after a year, which is very critical. And, and I think it's a challenge, you know, like for a lot of crypto companies to kind of like keep their talent in-house yeah. and have the, this kind of like a long-term mindset. Because if you have people making millions 
uh, from a day to another, what are what are they gonna do? You know, it's like yeah. uh, they can say, "Why would I still work for you when I can just go and do other things?" So, yeah, I think tricky is gonna be tricky, like uh, for people who are like only motivated by money to stay longer in companies. Like there is obviously a lot of people, and we've seen this in the Silicon Valley actually. You know, where the where people like developers were actually entering very very early stage startup work for like two to three months to just get like equity and then move on to another project and then down the line you know they were like this kind of like vesting and everything which kind of like forced people to stay for four years to own entirely their shares but before that it was not the case and for crypto right now you get tokens yeah. you don't vest your tokens so i think there are like things that needs to be implemented uh, around that otherwise we're gonna see like projects just skyrocket and then have all their developers go away which means that the project will die eventually and it's not good for anyone i saw that thing about the other day there was a developer that took like the code from an nft project or something and they just pulled it um really took the took the money from the nfts took the royalties and then they just bounced so yeah you have to be yeah. as well especially yeah, yeah that's true no way of knowing who you're actually working with if someone stays anonymous which is yeah <laughs> lots of uh lots of issues to solve but that's exciting the more problem yeah. you have on the market the more business you can create exactly so um you're in south africa now this is like one of the like the round of questions i wanted to ask you so you're free you can go where you want where is your favorite place that you've been to so far and why mm, it's tough so i traveled the world for a year so i've been like to, to a lot of different places I think like right now, what I love about South Africa working there is first the climate. It's not too hot. It's summertime, but it's not like too hot or whatever. Internet is really good. Uh, the vibe is really good. Uh, and I think this is super important because I was in Bali also, and I was in Mexico yeah. also like for winters. And sometimes where internet gets like totally fucked, you're like, oh my God, like <laughs> I can't work in this condition. So Mexico was fine for the internet, but uh, Bali, to be honest, I had to be like on my 4G or 5G or whatever. And it's like, it's kind of a pain. But uh, but no, overall, I think like, for me, I love like so many different countries. I love, uh, I love when the vibe is good. So big cities that I love. Uh, so Cape Town, South Africa, it's like amazing. Rio in Brazil, it's really, really nice. Mexico, it's like big city, but uh, Mexico City, DFA, it's quite nice. But uh, you have also other places on the coast, uh, like uh, Playa del Carmen, Tulum, etc. It's uh, there is a good vibe there. But so far, I think from traveling and working abroad, I think Cape Town is my favorite. Nice. I'm, I'm interested to know more about it because I don't know um, many people. And Dubai also is awesome. I mean, Dubai is <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dubai is awesome. You have the good weather. You have like the good people, good internet. Yeah. I think it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you have the sea. You have like yeah, it's nice. I love Dubai already. I've already been here for a week, but I'm staying here for a long time. <laughs> and it's been <laughs> safe as well. Because I was going to ask you, yeah, exactly. safe in Cape Town? I've heard like it's not that safe. No, so actually it's, uh, I was like, I'm, I'm French, like I'm from Paris. So I walk all the time. Like I walk all day long. I do everything walking. And here I, uh, I was going like uh, on a date and I just decided, oh, it's like half an hour walk. I'm just going to go there. I walked and the only person walking are just like junkies, people trying like to steal <laughs> from you. And so I was like, what the fuck? Like it's uh, if you go like really like in the 
in the wrong neighborhood, it's it's not so good. Um, but I guess again, you know, it's it's always the same. I think it's uh, you need to be careful and everything. But this is something I'm not a huge fan of, like doing everything by car. I think it's kind of like uh, and I in Dubai it's a bit different because you have like a lot of things you can do walking, but still it's safe to walk outside but a lot of people take their car to do everything and for me i kind of like when i can just walk and do things by walking one of the um like i guess culture shocks is the fact that everybody has a car even i mean yeah. i'm in an area where there's like the beach five ten minutes walk away there's shops everywhere nice. and i still still pe- see people like all the time getting their cars and like you said in paris like we're used to just walking or you get the tube but that's like yeah it, i don't know it depends who you are but i would always walk <laughs> so coming here or like even when I've been to other places like when I lived in Morocco you have to just drive everywhere and I hated it because I was just like I want to walk I enjoy walking like it makes me feel good I get to take time and just like think about my day or I'll like call my family or something like it was a really important part of my day when I lived in Paris so it is um it's kind of sad to not be able to do that anymore as much but I'll find a way (laughs) and hopefully yeah (laughs) <laughs> you you'll do your meeting standing and walking on the yeah. treadmill. <laughs> yeah, I'll do something about it. Um, okay, so one of the last things I wanted to ask you before wrapping this up was, um, I guess, how does uh, this sounds like such an aggressive question? Like you don't have to slate them off, but um, so what is so special about Lemless? Like how would it compare to your competitors if you had to tell somebody who's listening, like why they should join Lemless, basically? Uh. You mean our company, like, uh, or you mean the product itself? Um, I don't know. Maybe both. Yeah, maybe both. Both. I think company-wise is just like uh, we we hired people very slowly, which means that we really selected the best of the best, and it gives an environment where it's really really nice to be able to learn from everyone in the team and just grow all together, and it's just like passionate people passionate people, passionate about bootstrapping, passionate about helping others and learning new things. So I think it makes it super exciting. Uh, and we're also like super flexible in the way we work. So that's that's also quite nice. Uh, and product wise, I guess like, uh, again, like I think it's been built by people who are passionate. So you feel the difference. So it's like uh, we have an awesome customer support 24 seven, you can hop on calls. We have like awesome content. Even if you use one of our competitors, to be honest, and you're interested in sales, just go check like our content, our blog and everything, because you will find everything you need in the end, you know, like a product, of course, like I could tell you like, and sell you on the features that you're going to get better results. You're going to get more sales, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone will tell you the same in the end, you know, it's more about like, I think the vibe, the the if you have an issue, like can you actually talk to someone? The answer yeah. is yes. Like we we treat like customers like VIPs, and uh, because we we mean it, and yeah. I think that's uh, that's kind of our vibe overall. I love that. That's about it. Oh no, I want to ask you one more. This is not on the list, but this is one that. I have <laughs> uh, so if you had to eat uh, your last meal, what would you choose? Like if you have. If someone tells you like this is your last meal you can ever eat, that's it. <laughs> that's uh that's good good question. I think I'll ask like my mom to cook something. So potentially like uh, lasagna from my mom, like they're literally the best. Yeah. And uh and also like uh, tiramitsu in uh, in desserts, like fruits, the fruit one is really, really good. 
so uh so yeah just put my mom in the kitchen and uh, and, uh, <laughs> and she will do like marvelous things yeah <laughs> yes. okay so uh yeah that's wrapped up pretty much all my questions if there's anything you want to share like with anybody that's listening so maybe how they can find you um how they can reach out how they can start with lemlist anything you'd like to share yeah definitely so you can find me like uh, online uh, on twitter so guillaume mubesh or linkedin i answer all message even my emails guillaume at lemlist.com so feel free to reach out open dms open messages i answer to to everyone and love to connect nice perfect i'll put everything in the the description box so everybody can find awesome you. yeah because <laughs> my french name is not easy to spell yeah i don't think <laughs> So uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure to have you and uh, I really enjoyed speaking with you and I hope everybody comes to check out Lemlist and comes to give you a follow on Twitter. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thank Take you. care, have a great day. Thank you.